on this episode of Quantum Week, June 2nd through 8th, 1991. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year, and we talk about movies and music and headlines and stories, and we are in June 91 with Thelma and Louise and More Than Words by Extreme. That's right. Uh, we have uh, patrons to thank. Yep. Uh, yes, thank you to all of our patrons, but in particular, Christopher L., Tim M., John N., and Ted S. Thank you so much. Ted S., my favorite of that group, I believe. Maybe. You, you, you might like uh, Chris yeah. L., too. Uh, yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. Good. I like all of them, though. Yeah, yeah. Right. Thank you so much for doing it. It, uh, it helps us out a lot. Um, we also have a returning sponsor, tutors.com. Tutors CBD. Uh, code QW for 10% off and free shipping. Tutors has been with us for a few weeks now. I know I've been talking about falling off my bike and breaking my wrist and using their salve on my wrist. You know, I'm still exercising it every day, trying to get you know, just the last little bit of my flexibility back. And every time I work it out and, and stretch it out, it gets sore. So I'm using the salve to help relieve the, plain, uh, the pain. But I've also used CBD in the past for anxiety. Sometimes I'm a little bit high strung, my wife would say. And uh, CBD has helped me. Sure. Who else says that? Uh, a lot of people probably would say that. I'm relaxed. Don't you think I'm a relaxed guy? <laughs> sure. After the CBD, I'm relaxed. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. And, then, I, I, yes. and then also, you know, uh, when I have anxiety, I also have sleep problems. So CBD for that as well. I'm going to step on your reader real quick. Yeah. I had insomnia uh, really bad um, about three or four nights ago. Really? And I was like, it was like 250. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I'm taking the, I'm going to try the CBD again. You sure dropped enough, that shit. Half an hour, I'm out. Nice. Yeah, I did. To, um, three for three, I think, using it. That's great. So, Two Tours, a great company, uh, veteran owned. Um, two Tours.com, code QW for 10% off and free shipping. That's pretty good. Uh, okay, so we're talking about Thelma and Louise. Yes. Okay. Um, Thelma and Louise is a decent movie. With you, I give it a B. Wildly overrated. Uh, I give it a B minus. Okay, we're close. Yeah. I was worried that you were going to shellack me on this one for saying that it wasn't all that. Yeah, no, it's it's not all that. Um, it is. I, okay, so maybe we can kind of tackle it blow by blow here, yep. if you will, uh, on some of these. Because one thing it, it's true with the movie is there, there is, I think, quite a bit to talk about with the movie. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting movie both for its where it is in its time, 1991, yep. and when it came out, uh, and a movie, you know, really about women written by a woman, so that that's, was somewhat of a novelty in 1991. Sure. I, mean, I guess it's kind of, still is today, I guess to some extent, but not, maybe not as much. Yeah. And then also, just the people involved and everything, but one of the main criticisms, so this movie came out, it was not a, it was not a box office sensation, it made a decent amount of money. Yeah. I think it made like 45 million. Something like that, um, yeah. Which, you know, you figure that's like, what, like, you know, 80 now, which is decent, but not, you know, not wild, you know. Right. Um, so it was a mild hit um, that wound up getting some Oscar love. Uh, we'll talk about that yeah. uh, in a bit. But one thing, when it came out, it was actually pretty controversial. And a lot of people thought it was unfair toward men. Really? Yes. I don't share that opinion. I don't either. I think Yes. Obviously, in this movie, the men are painted a certain way, but I think what it's doing is it's just taking different experiences women have, you know, negative experiences women have with men, and just using them as kind of characters. I don't, I mean, look, we've all seen that truck driver. Oh, or, yeah. We, we've all seen women get catcalled or whatever. Yes. And I'm sure it is annoying. And I'm sure once in a while they do want to, you know, blow up that guy's <laughs> truck or whatever. So I think it's, a, you know, it's that kind of wish fulfillment 
um, with a lot of these. I think it's just what the movie's just doing. Like, I don't. I think. I think it's fine that a movie does that. Yeah. Like, what were they gonna? I mean, they they had to paint a picture here for us. They had to get to you know get them to a point where they're like you know fuck fuck all this and yeah. So I have no problem with with sort of a composite of experiences. Me here. either. All yeah. right, so all right. So that's not an issue. Any issue we have then. No. So, <laughs> I, I, one thing I think it does do is I don't know if it paints women in the best light. These are no. two of the dumbest main yeah. characters that you will see in film. Now, one issue uh, with it is I, I maybe this is how they would react though. Like they're not robbers; they're just no. regular people, right? Regular people who maybe who aren't super educated doesn't see, appear they are. Um, the people that just aren't you know just kind of did not plan this. So there wasn't like a true, like, you know, it's not like oceans 11 where they sure. have all this shit yeah, mapped yeah, out. Yeah. Yep. Things just kind of happen and, and snowball from there. But like, they do some things that are just like, why would you call your old house over and over again? Never do that. You have to know that they're going to try to trace you. Like that's, that's but what, like, what's the game? There is no gain. Yeah. Why would you want to talk to that guy to find out what he knows? Why do you give a shit? If your job is to get to Mexico, then fucking get to Mexico. Don't talk to the fucking ex-husband and figure out what the world thinks of you. In fact, it made when they made a bunch of mistakes, it makes it harder to be compassionate for them because they're kind of fucking up their own situation. They could have gone to Mexico. I never really lost my compassion for I didn't Susan Sarandon's character. Oh, oh, well, Thelma's the worst friend ever. Like, Gina Davis's character, I have a hard, I have a real hard time with this. I don't think, so Gina Davis in real life is brilliant. She brilliant. has, she's like literally like a genius yes. level. Like, yes, she has, yes. she's been tested, like, wildly brilliant. Yeah. Uh, you can see it in like movies like The Fly we oh, yeah. talked about yeah. and um, just the way she kind of has carried her life. She's been in the public eye for a while. She's like a really, if you're watching movies, she's really fucking smart. Yeah. So like, I don't know if that's the problem or if she's just not great at playing dumb. I know she was nominated for a Best Actress. I get her it. And, and Susan, but, yeah. But, and Susan Tarantino was too, but Susan Tarantino was, I think, quite good in this. Gina yeah. Davis is, I don't buy it. It's almost too, I, it just seems too far, too, too much. It's too far. It's yeah. too much. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, it, that is a hard role for her. But I'm trying to think about at the time they may not have seen. But she'd already done the fly. She already done. Um, um, she hadn't done Beetlejuice she yet. Had. Oh, she had done Beetlejuice. Yeah, so people knew that she could fucking act. I oh, mean, she won an Oscar yeah, for uh, right, right. Uh, oh Christ. Um. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna look that up right now because it's gonna drive me crazy if I don't. I apologize. No, people but I think you're right. I, I think it's harder to particularly Accidental thirty years. Tourist, I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah, particularly thirty years later, like we've seen her entire career, it's it's harder to look back and see her in this role. I think you're right. I didn't have a problem with. <sighs> I mean, she's I, so dumb in this. But I thought I, so. This is a so we've disagreed. I think on this in the past. How much is the fault of the actor? How much is the part fault of the writing? I was not. I I put the fault more in the writing on this one. Like they wrote her as a, as, as like doing stupid, doing stupid, stupid, stupid things. Like why? And like, it's one thing to be dumb. It's another thing to be like dumb to move the plot along. Like she would never leave the money. Oh, with, just on the dresser with a guy that has admitted he's gone. And why would he ever? Okay. So why would the Brad Pitt character admit he's gone to jail? Exactly. If he plans a robber. Right. And then why would she leave money with a robber? Uh, you, you wouldn't, I don't know. Like, I mean, no one would do that. That's, that's like, that's like, no one would do that. No, 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 no. And I don't understand necessarily why Susan Sarandon trusted her with their, or uh, Louise trusted her Why would Susan Sarandon ever give her the money at all? It doesn't make like, sense Why either? did she just guard the money herself? Because she doesn't trust Jimmy, I guess. But then, but Jimmy already, Jimmy brought her the money. Right. So like, why would, why would Jimmy take it from her? If she, he, that, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. I agree 100%. That whole part didn't make no sense. sense. And, it's, and it, this was actually, this is a little example of bad screen right here. So 
uh, it's foreshadowing to a fault, um, which I don't, I'm surprised the first time it's come up. This is a, this is a oh, little thing with me. It really annoys me. Yeah. She says to her, I want you to guard this money. Okay. So that right there is a huge tell. Yeah. For instance, people don't usually say guard this money. It's not how people usually speak to each other. Hold on to it for me or something. So, you know, yeah. right. Or, Hey, you watch this or so guard is a strange word. That is a strange word. Um, and guard also means that you would assume someone else would come in. Like it is it, protect. Right. Yes. Um, and it's just a strange thing to say to somebody. And it also, it basically, when she says that it tells me, Oh, that money's going to be gone. It's gone. Yeah. She's going to lose know, it. And, and that, and that is, you know, foreshadowing to a fault, which I'm sure we'll run into again. I'm sorry, we haven't yet in episode, whatever 82 ever we're doing here, but um, it's, it's just poor. And the reason I'm kind of being nitpicky with the screenwriting the screenplay is a little bit because it won a fucking Oscar. A fucking Oscar. So right. it's not Oscar level, <laughs> right? You know, caliber there. Um, in fact, let's, let's walk through that real quick. Yeah, let's mind. do it. So there were six Oscar nominations for this film. As we mentioned before, Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis, both, which can't, they can't sort of cancel each other out, but I have no problem with that because you knew, you know, this is the year, this is Silence of the Lambs year. Right. So, so you, they had no chance. They had no shot. Right. No. Uh, so that, I guess that's my question. So if, this did not get a best picture nomination, but it did get a best director nomination. And I have kind of an issue with that. This is not Ridley Scott's best. He, okay. The last um, 10 minutes of the film, I think are brilliant and way better than the rest of the film, but I don't think he does an amazing job here. I don't think so either. It looks very grainy to me. Yep. I don't like that look. It's that washed out look, yep. which I know what they're kind of going for. I will say to Ridley Scott's credit, this was all shot on location and it really shows. Um, so a lot of stuff. I like that Utah stuff. I like that. The problem is that's not where it was set. See, I know like what California Hills look like and they're shooting in California and Utah. And I know what Utah looks yeah. like and they're supposed to be in Arkansas and, oh, I, and I, Oklahoma. I guess, I'm sorry. I'm and sure I'm like, you're damn. Right. No, but I, it's very pretty. You're I, totally I'm right. I'm talking about the back end of the film, I guess, was more shot. Okay. Yeah. That is more. Yep. They did it that made more sense. Stuff, but yeah. you're right. The earlier stuff, not. I'm okay with that. Uh, I guess. I mean, you can only, you know, you can only do so much. It's true. I will say, I'm just glad it wasn't shot in California, all green screen. Oh, I, I guess that's really what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it should have been more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, not shot in some lot. Right. Like they actually were on the road and yeah. it shows and, and it feels like you're on the road with it them. It does. And it, you um, kind of have to with a road, no, like with a road film like that. It's a road trip. thing. Why not change cars? Oh God. That, so that was poor Barbara. She's like, what? Like, so she hated Thelma. Yes. I was like, Thelma's the worst friend. And I'm like, yep, you're yep, absolutely right. Absolutely, and yeah. Louise, like her fatal flaw, hmm, fucking didn't dump the car. Yeah. <laughs> and also called the house again. And called the house again. Oh, no, actually people. two times after Gene Davis hung up. And fucking Thelma does the art. They were fine. They could have actually turned themselves in, called it self-defense, even though she shot the guy afterwards. I you can get, still kind of uh, claim that. I think in this world though, which is kind of like the anti-man, which is okay. I'm not, I'm not a good, but in this world, I you understand. Can. So I kind of, I'll play by the rules. That's fine. Okay. But they really sealed their fate when fucking um, Thelma goes in and does the armed robbery. Like that seals your fate. Like you're done. To Louise's credit, she didn't know she was going to do that. No, that's true. Oh, that's true. No, I'm blaming. I'm blaming that on fucking Thelma being. A, I know that Thelma being a terrible friend. Fucking yes, terrible friend. Awful. I mean, the worst. The worst friend. I and it's like, if I'm why not dump the car? You're in a convertible. So and you're even like more. It's or green. at least close the top. <laughs> right. So people can't see it. You it's fucking do green. something. I, I that was that was interesting choice by that. I know. I mean, I had a hard. There was they made so many mistakes along the way. It's hard to. It's hard to, at some point you're like, I don't believe this anymore. Exactly. That's my problem. There it's like, so I want to, I want to feel for them, but I'm like, Oh, I want to ask one more question yes. before we get back yeah, to the yeah, Oscar yeah. thing. What the fuck is with the cop scene when he's in the trunk, the biker goes by and blows smoke into the trunk. What point was that at all? Why I did we have this little aside story I, the, with the Rastafarian fucking, uh, let's even take it a step back from that. Why even have the cop 
seen it all. A. I exactly. guess for comic relief. I, okay, fine. Why have the... That is one of the strangest... <laughs> so strange. It, it, I guess it's really... smoking bike rider. I thought actually you might like that. I guess it's really Scott... Dumbing his finger at the police? I guess, which is fine, but like it's... Dumbing I mean, his oh, nose, I guess dumbing his finger. It'd be hard to do, I guess. Right. To, like, but do this, it but. when it's appropriate. Like I don't... Why was that appropriate? Oh yeah, to have that policeman just like totally crumble, cry and like crumble in front of Thelma yeah. and then put him in a trunk and totally embarrass him by... It's probably going to die in there. That's what you're I'm wondering. The I mean, they desert. shoot the air holes, but like that's not how things work. In the desert, you, know, you would die. It's going to be 140 degrees in there. He's going to cook and die. And then the you get the Rastafarian on the fucking bike come by and blow smoke into there. He's instead of save his life. Like, Why shoot the radio? I I didn't I didn't like, yeah, just let it go. What does it matter? Yeah, because it's just gonna be no one's gonna answer either way. Right. It's not like they're gonna, you know, on the other end be like, oh, just a bad connection. No. They're so concerned with shooting the radio, I guess, so they can't catch him, but they're okay with calling the police on their own. Right. That's right. Twice. It made I it's didn't, very, so I didn't like, get that. That's why that's my issue with Ridley. It's like you made some bad choices throughout here. So some of that is the, some of it also I think is the screenplay. Uh but as a director, aren't you gonna be like, uh, we're not putting the cop scene in there. That's dumb. Yeah, he had the power to do so at that time, yeah. too. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, this is a situation, too, where the screenwriter was, was r- relatively new. Yep. So, you're right. So, that when that happens in, in Hollywood, you know, sc- you know, screenplays are kind of made to be edited and stuff. So, the sc- from my understanding, the screenplay actually came pretty much what you saw is what you got, more yeah. or less. I'm sure there were some changes made, but not sure. a ton. Um, it wasn't like, what was it? Uh, Lethal Weapon 2 we talked about. When all right. The, all, the the Patreon, when all, these, yeah. all these treatments. It wasn't yeah. like that. But really, really, Scott, if he says, I don't want to have a Rastafarian scene, then they're not going to have a Rastafarian scene. The guy directed Alien. So yes, like, exactly. You know, yeah, like, some, yes. And Blade Runner at that time. Which, right. You know, I, you know, so he was going to call the shots. Uh, so really, Scott, and once again, this example of what we were talking about, he had such name value. That's why he got the Oscar nomination. Sure. Because um, the... Because it was a departure for him at that point, too. He was, you know, he just did a bunch of sci-fi. Yeah. And the, um, the Duelist, which is the first one I really like. But uh, but yeah, he hadn't really... I don't think he'd done anything like that. He didn't like anything that. quite like this. Yeah. Um, and it was supposed to be Michelle Pfeiffer. That's right. Uh, in that role. Uh, Goldie Hawn, Mel Streep, all were... were were kind of like locked in or thought about it sure. or whatever. Go to Johan. They didn't think it was a good fit. No, they wanted to use Michelle Pfeiffer. She had something come up. Uh, Meryl Streep, I think it was also had scheduling issues. Oh, and they wanted to use the woman from, uh, um, they wanted to use a picture in my head, uh, from science of lamps. They wanted to use Jodie Foster. Foster. Yeah. But she did science. Yeah. Of lamps. Good move. Jodie. Yeah. I think it was supposed to be Jodie Foster, Michelle Pfeiffer initially. Yes. And Michelle Pfeiffer is the one that convinced Ridley Scott to take this script. And, but then, I mean, that happens a lot in Hollywood. It's not that crazy. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. Oh, you might be a good fit for this type of thing. But that shows you how what acclaimed Jodie Foster was in this time where she basically was getting best actress scripts left and right. I know. Because she had just done The Accused, so she was getting all the right. best roles in the business. Um, right, so Ridley Scott had to go up against Jonathan Demme from Sansa Lambs, uh, Boys in the Hood, uh, John Singleton, uh, Barry Levinson for Bugsy, and Oliver Stone for JFK. Yeah, By the way, was... we may be doing an Oliver Stone movie next week. Oh, a little, little, little nugget, people. Mm. Um, but yeah, so those are obviously Demi wins. Silence of the Lambs. I mean, yeah, even compared clear. to Silence of the Lambs isn't fair. No, it's not fair. I mean, it's, some uh, people have compared me to Jared Carabas. There would be a similar type, <laughs> ridiculous comparison. Your, uh, your boys do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> boys should maybe not do that. Uh, uh, but no, but right. It's, it's like same kind of like, you know, th- these movies are in different stratospheres, exactly, right? Yes. So, I mean, Way we, different. we both considered Silence of the Lambs to be, it's one of my top 20 movies uh, of all time. I love that movie. I love that Maybe movie. Maybe top 15. It's just incredible. It's, yeah. a, it, it, it's a masterwork. Yep. It's, a, it's, just a, it's one of the greatest made films. Yep. It, even taking like, the word favorite out of it and just looking at this quality of film. It's a fantastic film. There aren't film. too many better than that. No. Um, so best actress. 
Jodie Foster wins, uh, obviously. Sure, Gina yeah. Davis and Susan Sarandon are both nominated. I have no problem with Susan Sarandon. Gina Davis, like we talked about, I have some issues with. Yeah. Laura Dern, Rambling Rose, and Bette Midler for the boys. If I remember correctly, uh, I'm going back. This is kind of when I first started getting into the like, Oscars and movies and yeah. stuff. It was between, if Foster was going to win, but if there was going to be a dark horse, it was going to be Sarandon. Um, but it did win an Oscar for best screenplay. It did. And the reason it won is because Silence of the Lambs, we've talked about this before, it was an adapted screenplay. Right. This is an original screenplay. And those are two separate categories. This is why Pulp Fiction won. Yep. And Forrest Gump. Like this is, yeah, this is somehow how, if you go, I always say the best indication of the best movies is not best picture, but what we'll, we'll get nominated for best screenplay. Sure. And look, sometimes, sometimes you'll get some cool wins in there. Do you have the other ones that were nominated in this case? I do. Yeah. So here's what went up for best screenplay uh, written for, uh, you know, original. So you have Thelma and Louise, which one? Mm-hmm. By Callie Corey. It was really her first. And she's directed some stuff since then. Not a huge fan of her stuff, but she's, it's fine. It's not bad. She still is working. She's still getting stuff. You know, she was young when this came out. Yeah. Uh, Boys in the Hood, uh, John Singleton. Yep. Um, which is a very, have you seen that? So long ago. When it came out. Yeah, I saw, I even... I saw it pretty recently. I've rewatched pretty recently. It's just very up and down. Some scenes, especially the stuff with Lawrence Fishburne is amazing. Oh, yeah. Other stuff just really kind of falls flat, doesn't quite, and, and some of it just doesn't quite work together. Mm. Um, but it's an interesting movie. It's a really interesting screenplay. Uh, Bugsy, uh, James Toback. I know Bugsy, you're, you're a fan of that. Bugsy's okay. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan. Oh, I thought you were, I thought you really right. liked that one. Okay. It's okay. Uh, so I remember when the Bugsy came out. So, Flashback to 91. Yeah. Bugsy was supposed to be Silence of the Lambs. Bugsy was supposed to be the movie that won everything. Ah. Uh, Everyone was talking about Bugsy for like a year and a half. Bugsy, Bugsy. It's all you heard about Bugsy, Bugsy. And then um, it came out and people were like, eh, eh. Um, Fisher King um, yep. by Richard uh, Gravenice. Um, that's. Uh, Gilliam uh, film and yeah. Yeah, Robin Williams. Interesting. I liked it. I remember yeah, it. Yeah, interesting movie. He's good. That's the kind of movie you'll see pop up in a. Uh, the screenplay you probably wouldn't see necessarily in a ton of other like because right. you have to pen pictures get nominated because original and adapted and then Grand Canyon by Lawrence Kasdan and Meg Kasdan Grand Canyon's uh, not a great movie it's okay Kevin Con- we talked about it when we did the yep. Beach Hill yep, yep. Um, it, it's, it's fine Delman Louise is the best screenplay of those five I think probably Bugsy is I guess Fisher King is interesting this screenplay mm. this isn't a bad movie I feel like I'm knocking it's not it bad. a lot no, it's, it's, not bad. it's not a bad movie no and, you know, there are some interesting performances, but is that is this screenplay that crisp? I think the screenplay is kind of where a lot of the problems lie. That's so what I, I have think. a hard time with it winning. Yep, um, winning for best. Yeah, as I said, I think uh, Gina Davis did as well as she could in spite of how they were how her character was written. Um, and you're right; I don't think it was very crisp. Uh, there's also there's this arc of Harvey, Harvey Keitel too that I didn't quite buy. He goes in, he like really starts to feel a lot of empathy for them. But, and I don't know why, I, why, because they don't have, they have why? one interaction on the phone with them. I guess he knows, see, they didn't do a good, okay. Screenplay did not do a good enough job talking about what happened in Texas to Louise. And I know you wanted to keep that sort of shrouded a little bit, right? But without giving us that backstory, it's hard to say that Harvey Keitel has all this empathy for them now. Well, Keitel, right. I think there's two things that Keitel switches on. One is that he knows about what happened in Texas, but we yep. don't know that as the audience, so that's not really super relevant. No. Nope. The other thing is he realizes that Brad Pitt's character robbed them. I guess that's there's why that. they committed the robbery. So, but I don't really believe, a, like, why does he care so much about, Doesn't you need seem to like explain why. Right. And there was, it wasn't the there. The Keitel uh, character is not well written no. at all. Uh, it's, and he's a great actor. Great actor. And he's do, he did a good job with this movie, but th- that character is not sketched out very well. Um, Michael Madsen character, I also... Mm, he's, it's, so, it's such a short part that I like that I didn't care. But my issue with it is, though, like, so for most of the movie, he's a really royal... I mean, he seems like a good guy. Like, he, yeah, you're right. When she kind of... But he's, then he's willing to tell the cops everything that happens. So at the end of the day, he's kind of spineless. Yeah, that was weird. 
And then the Brad Pitt character, I get. I think that's, that actually is pretty on point. I, they pick up this random guy who's yeah. like overly polite. Grifter. Yeah, yep. like, that's not... He knows how to work that. He, like, and it's obviously naive of them picking him up. Like, sure. I mean, a lot of this is their naivete, and maybe it's because, especially Gina Davis, it sounds like her situation was her husband just kind of kept her, like, locked in the house, more or less. Yeah. She can understand why that character is naive and why that character wants to, you know... Yeah, explore. Really, right. Right, what it what it's like to be almost have like fun, a, almost like a teenager. Like, exactly, wants to go out and just. She was very much like a teenager. Do wild stuff because she was, you know, her husband had her like locked away. Which is why you needed an older Louise, like as a kind of a big sister character. There. Right. Yeah, you needed that. But, they, but I, I still don't buy some of the things that I wouldn't buy like a teenager doing some of these things. It just no, it just didn't seem, it just didn't seem real. And then, honestly, the script didn't need a lot of that. You could have had the cops catch up with them and have them been much smarter. Yes. Like, you didn't need to have them do all these things. The cops still could have caught them. They would have caught them. Yeah. Potentially. I mean, but like, you could have, you know, it's your script. You could write it however you want to. You know, maybe they happen to, maybe they have bad luck. It's not, you know, maybe they just walk into the wrong store or they rob the wrong place. And well, it's a it was shootout. on camera. So at least that gives yeah. them a, pl- you know, a point where they are and they know that they're probably heading to, you know, to right. Mexico. Maybe, maybe, so- they get, maybe stop at the border. Yeah. Maybe they, you know, right. they want to have this Grand Canyon ending, which, by the way, too, everyone has the ending, you know, same ending as Sundance Kid. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, they didn't read, they didn't, you know, invent the wheel here. I liked that the tone changed really dramatically after um, sort of the chase scene of the cops when things get quiet. Yes. And stuff. I'm like, that's, see, that, that was, that was the hard part for me is I'm like, this starting right now is really brilliant and really affects me. But then the stuff before, it's almost, com- there's, it's too, there's comedic in points and you, you don't believe them in points and cause they're so dumb. It, it, you have like these two really striking emotional things happen. You have the rape, the, the attempted rape, and then you have the end where they kill themselves. Yes. Like up to that point. Yep. But then in between there, it's just a lot of stupidity and then some comic relief. It's hard to know how to feel through this movie. But that point, as soon as we hit that point, like 10 minutes before the end, I was like this. Oh shit. Now I'm locked in. Like this feels real. Um, that's the point where I was like, yeah, really Scott did a, did a really good job here. But up to that point, I was just like, mm, didn't really believe him. Did you feel the same way about the end? I know uh, just uh, take even the, the launch off of the grant. You can't take that aside, but like up to that point, the last 10 minutes, yeah, did it you all changes to- when G Davis says to uh, Susan Sarandon, she's like, uh, I feel more alive now. Yeah. Like everything's more clear to me now. Yeah. And then the tone of the movie shifts, which is fine. I, I don't mind that. I know that a lot of movies are trying to have like fun with the gals and like they try to do that. Like the whole like second act is that. Yeah. yeah. And that's fine, I guess. I mean, that's fine. You know, you should want to like these characters and know these characters. And I actually really did like um, the Louise character. Yeah. I really did. I'm like, oh, I kind of, you know, I, I this character hasn't had the easiest life. Like I, I get it. Yeah. The Thelma character though is just, just consistently, I just, you can't, you know, but right. So I think at the end when there's not a lot of dialogue and they're just driving and it's mostly just Ridley Scott kind of flexing. Yeah. That's obviously going to be a more yeah. enjoyable part of the movie. Plus, you know, Susan, I mean, Gene Davis isn't doing stupid shit. Right. Exactly. So it's like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, it got so they're starting to behave yeah. like real human beings here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have no problem with them jumping, going off. No. Me neither. Because they're not going to go to jail. I mean, that's not how. No. I mean, I think they realized, you know, they also didn't want to go back to their regular lives. That's no. a lot of it too, is the reason they didn't go to the police, they don't also don't want to return back to their shitty lives. Right. You know, they've been done wrong by, you know, maybe a few different people and they just didn't want to go back to that. I mean, I'm not saying a life of crime is the way to go either, <laughs> but, um, you know, but is it realistic that someone like Thelma is going to get divorced? Probably not. No, it's not. No, they, but they know. felt boxed in. You're right. Their, their old life was boxed in. 
you know, uh, and or jail or whatever yeah. electric chair is boxed in. So a chair. So yeah, no, I, I had no problem with them deciding to end it. We're a little comparison. Yeah. Susan Sarandon, Gene Davis. Who do you think had the better career? Oh, God damn it. Um, Sarandon's is longer. Yeah. I think She's Saran- got more stuff. Sarandon, by, I mean, quite a bit. Yeah, because Gina had like a really good run. Gina had a good run, but it was much shorter. What happened on the back half of that? Like, what happened after this? Oh, so she was. She did uh, right, Tom so, Hanks. She did League of Their Own. Right. So she follows this up with uh, League of Their Own. Yeah. And we called Hero. Yeah. Which doesn't quite work. With Dustin Hoffman, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, so that was in 92. In 94, she does Angie which does not work. Don't know it. And then Speechless, which is like um, with uh, Michael Keaton. Uh, it's like a political, um, yeah, I don't like remember. a romance. Uh, and then she does Cutthroat Island, which kind of buries her career. I see. Uh, with Rennie Harlan, which is her husband at the time. It's a pirate movie with Matthew Modine. It's right. one of the biggest bombs of the 90s. Never, I don't know how I saw that. Um, and then she said she, she, I mean, she's a very honest interview. Uh, she's, she's a really, like I said, she's a really bright, really interesting bright. person. Yeah. And she was saying that um, the parts dried up. Like she's like, oh, I hit 35. And like, you know, you just not got any scripts anymore. Hmm. Um, since Rand though kind of went the other way, you know, she had a lot of her best stuff. After, yeah, way after that. I mean, she's not when she's really something. old, but you know, uh, no, but between probably forty and sixty, she had a, she had a good amount of roles. She had a lot. I mean, she still works today. but yeah. her best roles were, were you know she hasn't been nominated for an Oscar since ninety six. So I mean, it's been a while for her. So like, I'm sorry, Gene Davis uh, nominated obviously for Dumbo Louise, like we talked about. She did win for the Accent Taurus in nineteen eighty eight. So um, you know, in, and then obviously talked about the Fly and Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice and stuff. Yeah, uh, with Susan Sarandon. You know, she's been nominated for five Oscars. She has. Um, she's won one. She was nominated for uh, Atlantic City. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, and then Delma and Louise. This is a crazy run. So Delma and Louise in 91 yep. came out. 92, Lorenzo's Oil comes out. She's nominated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 94, The Client comes out. She's nominated. Yep. And then she wins in 95. So the early 90s, she was nominated every year except right. for one. She which got, is quite, yeah. quite a little stretch there. And then, you know, she wins for Dead Man Walking. And then doesn't get nominated again for the rest of her career. Um, but you know, she, she's you know she's had a good good run. You know, she's had a good career. She, like I said, she hasn't been nominated for an Oscar in twenty five years, though. I wonder, does that make Susan Sarandon a better actor because you know she was able to parlay her career into a you know to her later years? I think mean, Susan Sarandon's a better. I mean, you see it in this movie. I think Susan Sarandon's in this. Yeah, but Gina Davis is so good in other stuff. She's, she's so okay. good. In the, she's she's good. so good in she's the fly. Good. Susan Sarandon's. Yeah, she's I guess. Very I guess. Fly. Yeah. I mean, Susan Sarandon's damn near walking. And yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. you're right. I think right. Susan Sarandon's a better I guess actress. you're right. I'm not a huge Bill Durham guy. I love baseball. Mm. Bill Durham is a movie that just doesn't quite, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not, it doesn't not quite click for me. Yeah. Um, but she's okay in that. I like her more. I think she's like, she. I think she's quite good in this. I think she's the best, like what's the best part of this movie for me would be her performance. I think she's, she's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is peak Sarandon. She kind of, like, you know, maybe in, you know, so like why hasn't she been nominated for an Oscar in 25 years? You know, maybe she stopped getting, you know, the scripts or maybe she made some, you know, she took a couple years off after she won for, um, Walking. Walking. she was in a movie called Twilight with Paul Newman and Gene Hackman. So you think that must be a winner, but it doesn't quite work. Actually, Reese Witherspoon's in that too. She's younger, but it doesn't yeah. quite work. Yeah. Uh, and you know, she's, she's, but she's been kind of like a, like a working actress for like the last 20 years, but hasn't done a lot of like major, major, major things. Right. Um, but I mean, that, you know, that can happen. Gene Davis, uh, you know, with parts dried up and she wasn't going to just work to work. She shows up in a couple things, but um, I think I mean, she should. Like, she had a TV. She was, she was a, played the president, like the first woman president right. in for ABC uh, show. She uh, did those Stuart Little movies. Yep. Um, so she's done some stuff, um, but not like Oscar caliber. 
No, yeah. she doesn't. I mean, scripts, yeah. yeah. And yeah. she said, she said, hey, once the scripts started drying up, I also, I think Susan Sarandon works to work. I think she enjoys it. Yeah. Where Gina Davis, it's more, uh, if, you know, something really interests me, I'll do it. But otherwise I, I can, I can do it. She, she's, I think, a very accomplished person that has a lot of other interests. I get it. Um, yeah. so overall B not my favorite Ridley B minus for me um, a fine movie if you've never seen it check it out it's interesting um, yeah. like a little snapshot in time um, and it tells an interesting story I, I will say in fairness the movie this is a story even now you still don't really see enough like you don't really see enough you'll see rom-coms with women but how often do you see a really good drama with two leading women like you just like you know where they're not talking about the guys or, or whatever, yeah. or just like, it's just a movie about it's rare, just like a, a friendship between two women. That's not with all this other melodramatic shit. Um, it's pretty rare. So yeah, it's I, rare. I think it's, yeah, check it out. Yeah. It's not, not, not terrible. Shall we move on? And before we do, we need to talk about some free lunch coffee. That sounds great. Do you like coffee, man? I love coffee. You, oh, I love, you know, I love coffee. You do have coffee. I love, I drink a lot of coffee. Helping people. How do you feel about that? You know I really like to help people too. Well, when you buy just one bag of free lunch coffee, you are providing 10 meals to children in need and free lunch coffee gives away 50% of the money they make to end hunger in the lives of young children. That sounds great. How about that, right? Yeah. Free lunch coffee also has some cool custom design mugs and tumblers. I know the last time we talked about this, we didn't, I don't know if we talked about the mugs and tumblers. Uh, no, I didn't know. That. Yeah. Yeah. So they have this as well. Uh, each mug provides 10 meals and each tumbler is 20 meals to children in need. That's crazy. So, you know, you buy one mug, one tumbler, and one bag. It's 40 meals for kids in need. That's a lot. That's like, that's a lot of meals. It's pretty good. That's, yeah, it's a ton of meals. Uh, beyond a fantastic cause, free lunch coffee has great coffee that is specialty grade, certified organic, and fair trade. I know Matt likes that. I do. Also, they offer a 100% money back guarantee for 30 days. If you don't love their product, they will give you a full refund. Awesome. No risk. Yeah, there's no risk at all. And you get to keep the products too. Perfect. Oh, yeah, you don't need to like worry about shipping it back. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Those just, just, yeah. just, yeah. Nothing to lose. Free Lunch Coffee is offering a 10% discount to our listeners of this podcast. Uh, use the coupon code QUANTUM. That's Q-U-A-N-T-U-M. At checkout. QUANTUM. QUANTUM. And you get uh, 10% off uh, on uh, the coffee, uh, mugs and tumblers, I believe, as well. So check it all out at freelunchcoffee.com. That's freelunchcoffee.com. This is an A plus song. Wow. Yeah, it's a great song. Holy shit. Um, should I have my top five, I think? Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I should grade my top, like my top five songs are all A plus songs. This is a um, masterfully written song um, performed like exquisitely. This is like, this is a A plus song. This is a great song. Do you like the song? It's hard for me to judge this song. Um, so I had this tape when I was a kid. Porno graffiti. Yes. And I had it when I was like 10. And I actually first saw this song performed live before I ever heard it in the radio. Did you really? Yeah. You went um, to a, an extreme concert? No, it wasn't them. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, <laughs> uh, it was like a, like a talent show with uh, family friends of ours were in and uh, a guy, a boyfriend really liked this girl who's my old babysitter and he sang this song to her and played the acoustic guitar. It's the first time yep. I ever heard this song. And because this song was actually out for a while before it charted. 
Oh, I know. Yeah, exactly. So it was in that yeah. time frame. So when I was like 10, I'm like, oh, I want to buy I, that song. It was beautiful. The first time I heard it, I was yeah, like, beautiful I remember being like nine or 10, being like, this is a beautiful yeah. song. And, um, and then I got the tape and I, so I played the tape a ton. When you're 10, a lot of their music's pretty like hard rockish. It is. And like, it's very juvenile. Like when you're 10 though, it's like perfect. They're like, oh, this is a crowd. You feel like you're seeing even the yeah. album cover is like this, like little man who has graffiti and it's like all porno like yes. signs. Yes. When you're 10, it's pretty wild. So I remember like looking at through the album, like uh, through the tape, uh, like liner notes, reading the lyrics, thinking they were so badass, and thinking I was a badass yeah, for having yeah, it. Like, yeah. so um, I have, a, I, I have, so I've heard this song. I feel like you know, obviously, my like a lot of these songs, but this one in particular, I'm like, oh man, I remember like I mean, I had this, I didn't even have a CD player. Yet. This is like the last right. summer before I had got my CD player in November of this year. So I'm still only having a tape. You got tapes, yeah. And um, so I, I, I'm like, I heard it. I'm like, I it's hard for me to even this. I mean, it, it's a great song and it it's just to so great. You've just heard it forever. And it's just, sort it's just of great so, for your, some reason, it's like part of my DNA. So yeah, it's like hard yeah. for me, but I mean, I, I must say it's a great song. It's a great song, right? It is a great song. I mean, so, uh, well, let's just talk about the, what happened for you. You, you said that it, uh, it was out for a while before chart, right. right? So the porno graffiti went out, they released their first two singles. They didn't do very well. Um, like one of them charted pretty well in, in England or something, but not, not stateside. And I think actually extreme has done better abroad. Like they've got a run in Japan. They've got a yeah, run in, like in the UK. Them, yeah. um, and they've just had a harder time breaking in the United States. Malden, Massachusetts band too. Yes. But so they, they decided to release more than words as their third single. And then it went stratosphere. Like that one hit uh, more than words. This hit number one this week, which is why we're covering it. Um, they released this and then wholehearted, uh, which is, I love that song too. Um, and that got some airplay that got, and that hits, uh, to number 10 on the billboard hot 100 as well. And that's basically, you know, that's sold. Uh, I know that it, like in general, they've sold like 15 million albums. This, this album probably is the brunt of it. Really? How many albums for them? Huh? Yeah. I mean, they've had, they've had a lot, they've had some longevity. Yeah. And like I said, did better, um, abroad, but this album, I think in the United States, at least went double or triple platinum. So three, maybe 3 million or something copies. So that's a pretty good start. Um, already, and then you've got you know other stuff uh, away from the states, but their most of their material, you're right. It's kind of, they're it's kind of groove heavy rock, not you know what I mean. It's sort of like riffy, groovy. Some people were saying like kind of funky rock, but I don't. I don't it's sort of heavy, heavy, yeah, groovy rock. Um, and they do it well. They're all very good musicians. Gary Sharon is an excellent singer. Distant with Van Halen after uh, Hagar, of course. Right, yes. Didn't do very well no. there. But that, that's not his fault. He's a very good singer. Everyone says he's like a really good guy to work with. Yeah. Like even yeah. Van Halen guys, like it just didn't work. But yeah. it, like nothing against him. He's a great guy. And yeah. They, I think Eddie was in kind of a more experimental phase then. And it just, it, that's not what we want from Van Halen. We want fucking awesome party music. And then Nuno Betancourt, the guitar player is, is a, he is a sensational guitar player. He's a phenomenal guitar player. And you hear that on this song. Yeah. It sounds like a simple part, but it's not or near There's the only, end. What was that near the end? Yeah. I mean, Oh yeah. He's like got that little like, thing yes, at the end. he's got some flourishes, right? Yeah. Uh, but he also the way, so I wanted to play, you'll hear it here. Um, he's got this, like this kind of slap stroke. You hear the, that like, it's like the perfect, so he's he's play, he's sort of he's it's uh he's playing uh he's finger finger style and he's sort of plucking and slapping um the guitar at the same time. And that's not easy to do in perfect time like he's doing it. 
because you're also, when you're slapping with your right hand, you're also muting with your left hand. That means you're raising your fingers up above the fretboard enough to stop the strings. So it's this concert of like this rhythmic concert that you're doing while playing these beautiful like voice leading chords. It's not a simple song to play at all. It's difficult. And he's singing harmonies at the same time. Guy's a monster. Mm. Like he's doing some really great stuff. I really, I always, it's, I know it's like such a ridiculous detail thing for me to be obsessed over, but those, that right hand work, that slap work is something that has like always infatuated with me. Here's, here's me doing a slap. Hear that? Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite guitar lines I've ever played that just that little chord pattern that I've done there because it's it's it for some reason it's just such in the pocket like I really nailed that one of that that slap of that mute with my left hand and and slap with my right hand while I'm playing those chords and he does it like phenomenally in the song it's recorded so well his acoustic sounds so good and he does such a great job playing it it just it it make it gives this song such life and then the fucking harmonies dude like here's a does this little chromatic thing right at the end of this the lower voice is Nuno does this chromatic it's just it's like it's just it just gives me chills every time I hear it I fucking love it um phenomenal melody and harmony like this is just it's so well written and it's so I wish that they would have done more stuff like like that's the reason why I like wholehearted so much it's 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 groovier but it's acoustic it has this nice little feel I would have loved them to be just this sort of acoustic band and they could have some up-tempo. They and never want to go that direction. They, I, they, I don't they, get I guess it. They were even some conscious they didn't even play this song. I know, and it's so good. It's just, they've never read anything, written anything better than those two songs. I listened to like a bunch of the stuff on no, this No, I album, agree. And it's just not even close. And the harmony is like, it's so Simon and Garfunkel. It is so Everly Brothers. And all your Just like, just like beautiful, like right the fuck on harmony. They're just so good. I can't help it. Yeah, no, I, uh, my only criticism about them, I guess it's a little too, there was a sound in the late, in the early nineties with rock music, was a little twangy to it. It was, um, I don't know what that is. I don't really hear it more than words so much, but I hear the other stuff like wholehearted Wholehearted. and, and, and a lot of their other, most of the songs. Yeah. It's not like a country. It's almost like this weird, um, I don't know, it's like sound or some like influence that's there for some of these, some of these rock bands. You even saw a little bit Guns N' Roses, like November Rain, some of yeah. the other stuff. You have kind of this weird country influence. And I love November Rain actually quite a bit. It's pretty so not, yeah. no, you're not a great example of me not liking that sound, but, um, but there's just something there that I just don't really go. Like I would never listen. So like, I'm not, this is going to crack my top five. Cause I just, I don't, I wouldn't listen to this anymore. Yeah. But that's not, I really, see that. It's not really the artist's fault. Like, let's say we just discovered this song I never heard before. I would not like, whoa, what is this song? Yeah. But I just feel like it's like, oh, I don't, I don't know if this is something I really need to hear anymore. I like it. There's a couple different contexts I put it in. First of all, sort of, they're not hair. 
band, right. but they're but they're but they're in they that. They are though. They're in there, right? In that move, a little bit. Yeah, Close, closer to there than other rock. What else would they be? I think it's that, but not, but a little bit different. But the other hair bands wouldn't really do. I guess Patience was kind of, but Patience is nowhere. Well, Guns N' Roses, we've talked about this for, is the greatest. Yeah, hair. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, that's and I, I brought them up too. So, I you know it's kind of I guess the go to. Um, but think of the lesser bands. But right, but most of the other hair bands were not doing acoustics. So they weren't doing it like this. They were sort of doing ballads that had had the rocky element. No one was doing. One acoustic guitar sounds, no. two guys singing. None of those hair bands were doing that because none of them could pull it off right. anywhere near as good as these guys could. I mean, they're phenomenal voices and a phenomenal guitar player. Like you can't, you can't hide if you're the other hair bands. You can't hide. So, so there's that context, which so I give them a lot of a lot of props for that. But then also I was thinking it in terms of the, the context of what we were listening to last week in 2018, which is total disaffected music like singers who are just very bland, monotone people mm. versus this really expressive, expressive music. Um, and that comparison is so, so vast. I think because we just covered that, like this is a beautiful, well emoted song and you know, it's way different than we're hearing in 2018. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that you, right. You, I, I can't imagine a song like this on a pop station now, Yeah, you yeah. know, like it's be hard to even that, yeah, you wouldn't. It's not. And it's, this is more. I'm usually like anti-ballad, but this is almost more than a ballad. This it is. is um, I don't know. There's something about this that that puts it a level above, like a like a Michael Bolton or whatever. You know, any of that kind of stuff. I can really like any style as long as it's done well. As long as there's something evocative or provocative about it. And and you know, right? Stylistically, this wouldn't necessarily. If Bette Midler did a song. I you know, I probably wouldn't. But they 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 nailed this. Yeah. One. This, this is like the best that you can do with with what with that. You know, with that style. I think. I don't know much better. They, they just they channeled fucking Simon and Garfunkel, and I'm not you know I, I'm not looking no, for that you, from and, fucking you're extreme. Not alone. I was reading some reviews of it. <laughs> yeah, and, you, know, you see that you see all the Beatles. Yeah, uh, you see you know people are dropping you know some pretty heavy duty names you know in the reviews about this song, and you're like wow, they just, but they never really wanted to go back to that again. It's uh, it's weird. It is. They're, they're um, yeah, rock bands who sing harmonies that that is that is a complicated yeah harmony to do and to come up with that's that's skilled writing it's really difficult and most rock bands are singing harmonies or just you know someone's singing a third above it's it's not it's nowhere near as detailed as what they did um wanted to also mention that the video is awesome the black and white video yes, of them in the is. studio yeah, classic yeah it's so cool like they it starts with uh one um nuno Bencore, the guitar player turning the amp off and then they go sit on the stools and they must have actually been playing i, I mean i'm sure that it was probably they didn't they didn't take the what right. they were recording in studio and put no. that in the video, but they must have been playing along to it because his his hands are correct. Oh, I'm sure they're singing correct. Yeah, I um, mean, why not at that point? You might as well. Yeah. So stripped down, you might as well. Right. Right. Uh, look, it just looks phenomenal when you know it's sort of the kind of circles them a little bit and black and white, and you just see their young faces. It's it's a really beautiful video, which I'll tweet out as well. So I really love this. Really love a song. Should crack my top five. I think won't crack my top five, but it's only because I just have. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just have a weird connection with it. It's a great song though. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get um, it. I mean, I just, I, I think it did bring me back a lot of like memories. Just like I said, I didn't have a CD player yet. I was using my, uh, like a gray, like silver, um, boom box. My yeah. dad gave me and didn't, you know, didn't have a CD, just a tape and it had the radio on it. And, um, I must have listened to this and I didn't have a ton of tapes. So I was only 10. So I probably, you know, it's like probably the most badass tape I had. So I must yeah. listen to this oh, Christ, you know, that 500 times, yeah. you know, like you just listen to it over and over and over again. 
And, uh, you know, I'm like reading the baseball encyclopedia, you know, bored, sixth grade, you know, listen to the extreme. That was a, a huge part of my life. But yeah, I mean, I, I give them credit for putting this album on there because I think they were afraid of maybe being called, you know, it's not very macho. So no, it's not. So I think they're like, and they're a pretty macho band. They so, are, uh, you know, for them to come out and put, you know, Hey, I ended up making them. Hopefully a shit. I'm sure it made them a shit ton of money. Yeah. So. I'm sure, yeah. This is what made their career. Made them yeah. okay to made them. Most, we'll talk about them now. If, you know, we right. would never have talked about extreme otherwise. So yeah. And definitely brought me back to, you know, seventh and eighth grade dances yes. too. It's yes. like all that, yep. you know, very um, true. I've got like Skid Row memories in my head. This is a better last life. dance song than um, November like Stay Rain. Way to Heaven. Or Stay, I, they used yeah. to play Stay Way to Heaven in my school dances. <laughs> Played it all the time. That's, 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 it gets rocky. Come bands. on. We'll play this one instead. Play this one. Yeah. Yeah. If, you've, if you go into your eighth grade dances, I hope you hear more than words. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully none of our audience <laughs> go to eighth grade dances, but sure. Yes. Not our round. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe we, don't play this for your kids yeah, either. Or maybe just stay away from eighth grade dances. Probably that's good, that's good advice. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, this is where I was. So I, uh, I got my first guitar. Oh, um, all right. Right now. And um, I, so I, I sang my entire life, my earliest memories of me singing, basically, like some of my earliest memories. It's a fucking Ario Speedwagon and, um, you know, Christopher Cross and, um, and then Dan Fogelberg and a lot of Crosby, Seals, Nash and folk people or whatever. But I, all, and I was always interested in instruments. I asked for a drum kit when I was I don't know, four or five years old. Probably a good idea to not give me that. We had neighbors that would have been loud. Um, right. My poor mother would have probably gone insane, but I really, you know, I was, I was early on very interested in, in, um, I wanted, I wanted the kit for, for a drum set for Christmas and that didn't happen. I, I think she gave me like a little plunky keyboard or something, which I was not into. I wanted to hit things, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but then in normal, normal things happen. You go, uh, for people our age, you'd go to, um, middle school and in the fourth grade, you'd get to pick an instrument if you wanted to, if you had a music department, which we did. I wanted to play the saxophone like everybody else did at the time because saxophone was cool and <laughs> rock. <laughs> then, um, but everybody wanted that. So my second choice was clarinet. I have no idea why. No idea. And then my third choice was drums. My life would have probably radically changed, I think, if I was a drummer. But play the clarinet. But it, clarinet was just a way for me to play music. Like I didn't, wasn't really into it. I really wanted to sing, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't have like, I didn't want to sing. The, the choruses all were really shitty you know, when you're in junior high. Okay. So I wasn't going to be, and uncool. I wasn't going to be uncool. So it was much cooler to play the clarinet. Yeah, strangely, yes. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> a different school than I did, but sure. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but then, you know, I always was singing and I, so I would always, my poor fucking family probably like singing my face off to my stereo system in my room, you know, the fucking top four. Right, right, right. And, uh, but I got to a point where I don't want the other person in there. And it wasn't because I didn't want to sing with the other person. It's just, I want, I knew early on, I wanted to write my own stuff and sing the, the songs that I loved my only way, uh, or sorry, my way, not, not their way. So, um, I think I, you know, I was probably asking about, Hey, you know, I'd really like a guitar. And my aunt Ellen who's my godmother, um, ended up giving me hers. So she had a nylon string um, Spanish style guitar, which nylons you get either nylon or steel string guitars. Normally, uh, when you have a nylon string guitar, it's because you're finger picking. Even though you know Betancourt's actually he's um, he's finger picking a, a, a steel string guitar. And normally you would you wouldn't play a pick with a nylon string guitar. You'd play that with a steel steel string. But I always played it with a pick. I never was really interested in finger style playing because I I just wanted to play chords like my favorite bands. You know, like um, whatever, like. Crosby, Stills, Nash, or, or whatever. Um, and then later on, like, you know, some of the rocky stuff, the grunge stuff. So um, so I ended up getting it, and I basically, like, 
I, so I got, eventually I got probably like six or eight months in, I eventually got lessons, which was a really good idea. It taught me some stuff, but I mostly taught, I mostly taught myself guitar play, how to play guitar. What accompanied my guitar um, from my aunt was, uh, was you know, chord books, you know, so James Taylor chord books. And um, I think, I think there was this like very thick 300 page chord book of like the hits from, you know, 1970 to 80 or whatever. So I would just pick my way through there and just learn songs that, that I knew from the radio or songs that my, my mom or my parents would play. Um, and I started writing very early too. Like uh, I don't, I think I have some early, early, early stuff, but I don't have, I, you know, I don't have anything. I wish that I, that I had a means of recording cause it'd be interesting to go back and hear my mm-hmm. shitty songs from fucking eighth grade. But you know, very early, yeah, very early on, I, I wanted to write as well, which, um, helped me sort of be introspective and learn about, you know, put words to how I was feeling and kind of, you know, help me get through my, my teenage years. So, so yeah, so it was this time that I, I started playing guitar. I got my first guitar and, um, that's where we're at. How many guitars have you had in your life? Do you think? Um, I can one, two, three, maybe six or seven, I guess. Not too many. I have two, I have a Les Paul and a, and a Strat that I, that's, um, I'd be happy with owning those forever. I love those guitars. They're very I, great. I oh, have, I had a third, and I have a third. I have my acoustic as well. I got, I took guitar lessons when I was in third grade. And I, my parents bought me a guitar and I took guitar lessons. Was it a steel string? Yeah. Guitar. Uh, I was terrible. Like, I, I'm just not musically inclined at all. And uh, it hurts in the beginning too. It hurts your fingers. It just wasn't fun. I'm just not good at it. And it just like wasn't, I remember like, uh, I actually learned a lesson from it. So I was, I really liked my instructor. He was a cool guy. Mm. He's probably a young, like 25 year old music guy. And it seemed cool to me, whatever, but uh, he was a friendly enough guy. And I remember being really embarrassed about quitting. because I felt like a quitter. Uh, and I made my mom go, like I sat in the car and my mom went and told the instructor that I wasn't doing it anymore. Yeah. And I remember how I felt when she came back and I'm like, I remember telling myself like, I'm not going to, I'm going to face my problems head on or face my face, like difficult conversations head on, or at least try to, um, after that, that's a great lesson for like an eight year old. It did. I, yeah. It's kind of like a self lesson too. My mom, mom was like, you sure you don't want to go? It kind of gave me the guilt trip about not going in there and doing it myself. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I, I'm too, I'm too ashamed. I'm too embarrassed. I don't want to. I remember like, I don't want to. And, um, and I just remember sitting in the car by myself, my mom's and just like, just feeling so shitty. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm a quit, you know? And I tried taking piano, uh, lessons in high school. Um, like that, I took a class, not lessons. I guess uh, I took a class, like a keyboard class. Yeah, I just like I suck. I'm just like not good at music, which is uh, which is fine. Not everybody's good at everything. Yeah. Um, I wish I was because I think it is a very cool skill to have. I know you love music. I love music. Yeah. I, I'm. Um, I love going and seeing live shows. I love hearing music. I I I love music. I it just I'm just not good, which is okay. Yeah. It, you know, you don't, no one's good at everything. So. Yeah. Uh, but it's like oh, it was. It's definitely. I watched someone who's very talented. Like when we used to do the YouTube shows, you play music. I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's cool that someone can do that. Like yeah. I'm always like, kind of, does someone know like a foreign language? I'm always like, that's, it's impressive someone can do that because I, I cannot. Um, okay, are we ready for headlines? Yep, bring it. All right, well, first off, before we do headlines, I have something that's going to make you very happy. Tell me, what could it be? You like Milk Dudley? I do like Milk Dudley. Oh, good. Actually, actually. Oh, you like him now? You didn't like him before. I've never? always liked Milk Dudley. He's great. I mean, he's certainly, uh, you know, a fan of the show. And, yes. And yeah, he, he's, he's, he's a very supportive guy. Well, yeah. he has a weather report for us. No shit. <laughs> uh, this is uh, the first week of June 91. Uh, potent thunderstorms trashed the plains with intense rainfall, stretching from the southeast to northern Rockies. As much as eight inches of rain fell in North Texas. Wow. 
10 inches in southwest Minnesota. This is his joke he always tells, you know. Uh, the only thing less predictable than the plot of backdraft is heavy spring rain in a 29-year-old's weather report. It's oh. <laughs> pretty good. That's funny. I like that. That's a good one. I don't know if I agree. Back, we're, t- we're covering backdraft from our Patreon show. Yes, course. that's right. Yep. Uh, so that's what Milk, Milk Dudley is referencing. Um, we have headlines here. Yep. Okay. So this is the week the Lakers-Bulls NBA Finals started. This was the Michael Jordan's first NBA Finals. Oh, yeah. This is Magic Johnson's last. Yep. Uh, and the Bulls would win. The uh, Lakers won the first game, and the Bulls would then do a backdoor sweep. They'd sweep the last four. Uh, th- so during this week, games one, two, and three were played, I believe. Um, so this was interesting time. Were you a big basketball fan this time? No? Not till later. Not no. surprised. Yeah. Too, too busy with that clarinet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, so I... Baseball hockey for me at the time. Baseball hockey, okay. Yeah. I... Uh, when the series started, you know, think about the Lakers were kind of obviously at the very, very end. This was the last time they made yeah. the finals until the Kobe Shaq years. Right. And Pat Riley actually already off the team was Mike Dunley was the coach. And this is, you know, Jordan, they had knocked on the door a couple of times with the Pistons. Um, Pistons had made it to the last two NBA finals. Yeah. Right. Last two or three. Uh, and, um, so this is the first time they were getting there. So it's like kind of a, a young versus old, like changing of the, of the, guard, of the guard here. And it's exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, obviously sad, of course, Magic Johnson, a few months later, you know, gets diagnosed with HIV. But, uh, but yeah, so this, this, ha- this, this series happened and, uh, you know, Jordan wins the title and, and yeah. kind of changes everything. But I mean, I remember, you know, in ninth, you know, this summer, you know, before this series started, everyone's like, oh, Jordan's a great player, but he can't win, which is so crazy mm, so to think about crazy. now he has six rings. <laughs> but, you know, his career star is what, 84, he's in the NBA. So 84, 91. I know it's not a long time, but when you're living it, it is. And you're like, yes. oh, this guy's never even been to an NBA Finals and we're saying he's the greatest ever. Like, give me a break. Uh, do you know how old he was when he came out of college? What, did he just go to one year or did he do all no, four? No, he did a couple years, right? I think he did three years, two or three years. Three. Okay, with, so he wasn't. UNC. So by this time, he's like late 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he is. Right. So you're like, oh, this you're guy. Like, this guy. Because like, that was the debate. It was like, who's the best ever? And, you know, and like some people say Jordan. You'd be like, oh, shut the fuck up. He hasn't run out. He hasn't even won yet. Right. He hasn't even been in any finals. Like, get <laughs> right. lost. Like, he wasn't even in the conversation. Right. And then after this series, everything changed. Because then you can no longer have that argument. No. And then you also have his talent and then his, you know, his, the numbers he's putting up. And then, and then obviously he kept it going for, you know, he won. Uh, oh, well, six, did he, six how many titles. did he do in a row? Did he do three? Well, he did three. Then he went and then he went away. And then did three more. Then he, well, he, he lost. He, he, they came back mid-season. Uh, yeah. So what happened was he wins three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One season, he's completely out of basketball. Another season, he misses half a season, comes back in the second half. That's the year he wore number 45. Right. They lose uh, in the second round of the playoffs that year to the Orlando Magic, I believe. And then they uh, win the next three. And then he retires again. Of course, then obviously he goes back to the Wizards. But, sure. uh, but he won a total of six. And this is the first one. On June 3rd, Brian Taylor was taken first overall by the Yankees in the amateur draft. Do you have any idea who Brian Taylor was? Not I at bet, all. But you don't. So Brian Taylor is someone I bet a lot of you may not know. Uh, Brian Taylor would have been a great pitcher. And believe it or not, he would have made those Yankee teams even better. Mm. What happened was he pitched his first year in the minors. Uh, did, did a nice job. He's 20. Second year's 21. In double A. He had a very good year. He was basically one year ahead of Andy Pettit along the way. Okay. So he would have came out. He would have probably 94 probably would have been his rookie year. Right. Because Pettit was 95, I believe, right? Or Pettit 95, whatever, it doesn't matter. But right, right out of time. He's always kind of one step ahead. Um, and he was great. He, uh, a lot of strikeouts, um, like a blistering fastball, really impressive stuff. Yeah. Um, got by most of the fastball. Wasn't the kind, wasn't like a Jamie Moyer intellectual kind of pitcher. He mostly just kind of threw it by you. But he's also a young kid. Maybe he could have learned some tricks along the trade. Sure. 
So Thanksgiving of 91. So uh, I'm sorry, Thanksgiving 92. Uh, or 93, excuse me. I'm sorry. What year? We're in 91, right? We're in 91. So two years in? Two years. Yes. Second year after playing. Um, he's at Thanksgiving. He's at a bar and him, his brother gets into a fight with someone. Oh. He jumps in and the guy picks him up and drops him on his shoulder, his pitching shoulder. And uh, he's comes back and he can't throw. He can't hit 90. God damn it. And he ended up getting caught with drugs like later oh. on. He was a, a drug, drug issues. And his, if he had not gone to that bar or whatever, maybe the night before Thanksgiving, but whatever it was, right around that time, that Thanksgiving time, you would know who he is. Yeah. He would have won. He would have won at least a hundred games and maybe even more. I mean, you know, he's on the Yankee teams. I mean, they would have been yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe they never trade for Roger Clemens. You know, like maybe they never trade for David Wells because they don't need it. Who knows what happens, but it's but just, we know this guy doesn't get a shot, basically. Because incredible, you know, you're like, what would have happened if? Because right. they would have, he was, a, he would have definitely been a major league pitcher. There's no question. Like he was top ten prospect without a doubt. He was, he had a, he, I think he had a losing record in Double A, but he only 21. His ERA was quite low. We had more strikeouts than he's pitched. All the signs were right. there that he was a very, he was legit. Yes. Damn. Crazy. Yeah, That's really, rough. really sad. That, it's really so sad. Tragic story. So sad when you are so close. Imagine the guilt the brother must have. Oh my, yeah. I mean, I wonder if they speak. I mean, that would be tough from both of them. It'd be hard to forgive too. It's just tough. Well, yeah, that'd be hard. It's really, it's really hard. It's just, I would have been set up. I would have made millions of dollars. Everybody would have known my name. I would have had a great career. And even the brother's life would have been better. I'm sure he would have had. I'm sure. I mean, it would have been. A, you know, it's yeah. Ah, it's really, really, really sad. Um. June sixth. I actually have a clip of this uh, of this announcement. Okay, you want to play it? Can't. How am I going to play it? I could play. I play my phone. You're just going to. Uh, hello, folks. Jenny Carson here. I uh, I'm not going to be doing the Tonight Show anymore. I'm uh, I'm going to step down. Oh no, Johnny. I I'm going to step down in uh, in one year. So uh, from one year from now, I'm going to step down from Tonight Show, and uh, Jay Leno will I'll take my spot. Jay, that guy. That's the end of the clip there. Okay. But, uh, yeah, good reaction, Matt. Very, very authentic. Uh, try to play along. We'll yeah, right, way to go. I don't, I don't know why you're talking to a clip, but it's a uh, strange, strange thing about you. That's fine. Um, yeah, so this is when uh, Johnny Carson admits he's not going to do Tonight Show anymore. Jay Leno gets the job. If you want to read a great book about mm. this entire thing, it's called The Late Shift by Bill Carter. I cannot recommend this book enough if you're a fan of late night TV, even remotely. The way Jay Leno got the job over David Letterman yeah. is incredible. Yeah. They made a movie about it for HBO. It's it's it's, it's not it's it's fun. Read the book. Uh, Helen Kushnick was Jay Leno's uh, manager, like agent, like everything. Really controlled his entire career, and she bullied Letterman out of uh, bullied NBC to to pick Leno. It's a wild story. You have Jay Leno hiding in closets, eavesdropping <laughs> on NBC executives. You got uh, Letterman uh, who's. Com- Completely angered. It's you got angry Letterman. You got uh, a sneaky Jay. Yeah. You have Johnny who was pissed off by it. It was wild. Uh, it is a great book, The Relationship by Bill Carter. I cannot recommend that book enough if you never read it. It is older and it talks about early ninety. Like it's written in like ninety three or whatever. Yeah. But the details that he gets and the the access he has is incredible. <laughs> uh, it is one of my favorite books. It really. I'm a big you know, TV guy. Uh, you can probably get the passion in my voice. I just think it's great. And um, there's no better book about it. Get it. Yes, yeah, check out the, the late if you're a fan of that stuff. Code word quantum, uh, and you get 10% off That's and not true. free you shipping. You did not get anything off for that. You can, <laughs> you can say my name to the guy at Barnes & Noble. Or, <laughs> right. Yes, you probably have to get like order online. I would say yeah, probably. So you can't go, yeah. Uh, but it is, it, is worth, it is worth the musty book smell. It, it's that good. Cool. Um, and we are back on uh, s- 
Saturday. Saturday with um, something and losing my religion. City Slickers. City Slickers. City Slickers. Oh, that's a pretty good show. City Slickers and uh, losing my religion. Oh, it'll be that's interesting a, to talk a, about. Yeah, yeah, those are two decent things. Definitely. And then uh, we are back then on uh, Sunday after that with uh, Backdraft. And um, It Ain't Over Till It's Over by Lenny Kravitz. Oh, okay. So it's a decent week slate. I think it's good. Much better than last week. Oh, shoot me. Okay. I mean, instead of going back to oh, last right. week. Yeah. All right. Or, or that. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll be back on Saturday. See you then.